Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is a great opportunity. We've been doing a, a teaching series called Neighboring. Uh, we're a few weeks in. I think we got, we're probably going to do one more a week next week. And the whole idea is, and, and Tyler did a great job last week, uh, just really setting some practical ideas to some things that we can do and really how we can kind of impact our literal neighbors. And I wanted to follow up from where he was about how, how we can take some time and energy and, and put some attention toward connecting actually with our next door neighbor. Last week, we introduced what we have here. I think we got it on the screen. We've got a block map. Do we have that, Michaela? They're in the programs. Last week, if you didn't get one or you weren't here last week, this is the idea what the block map is. Uh, you're in the middle, and then you have some immediate neighbors around you in your neighborhood. Now, some of you are like, oh, man, I live down the road. You know, I got two miles away or neighbors. you in the country. Whatever works for you, you can draw your own map on the back, okay? But the idea is, like, who is in your immediate vicinity? And here's the thing is, do you know their names? And some people kind of look at that and go, oh, man, it's kind of, I don't even know. I've been in my house for years. I don't even know my neighbors. Here's, here's what I would suggest. Uh, it, you can be bold and say, hey, man, we haven't, you know, been in the same neighborhood for a long time. Sorry, I forgot your name. And, you know, you do that. Or you can just check their mailbox. <laughs> Don't do that. That's a federal offense. Okay. That, that, that'll get you, get you arrested. That's not good neighboring. Okay. That's stalking. Okay? Don't do that. Um, but the idea of it is this, this is, we want to make sure you don't look at this and go on some kind of gimmick or something, you know, to try. This is the whole idea of it. The idea of it is that we would put some intentional effort to do what Jesus called us to do. It really is a very simple thing he calls us to do. In fact, we've been reflecting on the last few weeks, of, and, and we'll continue on, is the heart of the gospel is that we would do, as the commands say, and in fact, Jesus summed up all the commands Really, what should be not just a, a little scheme, but a lifestyle, and it's summed up in one word. What, what's the word? Love. It's love. It, it comes down to love. It's the motivation that specifically, as we're talking about, loving our neighbors, as Jesus says, as ourselves. So we have kind of this overarching question of the early weeks of 2018. It's, it's this question here is, did, do I take Jesus seriously when he says that my love for him will be revealed in my love for my literal neighbors. There's a connection to this, that my love for God is connected in my love for one another. I don't know about you, that's kind of, that's pretty convicting, that it's, it's connected even more because the Bible even talks about it very specifically. This week in my devotional time, I came across uh, the apostle John who, who said this, merely kind of pokes us, pokes at us very deliberately. He says this, if any of you have material possessions and see a brother or sister in need, but have no pity on them, how, how can the love of God be in that person? Wow. Dear children, and then he says, oh, love this. Let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. 
It's very, very simple, but I hope you see it's very, very challenging. That if we claim that we love God and we worship God and God's awesome and God does all this, that as, we, as our love for God then is going to be flow through us and it's going to be shared with and it's going to overspill into the lives of the people around us. So you wonder if someone says they love God, but they're a jerk. They love God, but they judge people. They love God, but they criticize people. Now, you could point to those people out there ourselves. If where is the love of God? It's then come forth through how we it's revealed through love. I don't know you that's very very challenging because I claim to love God, but sometimes I don't know what people. Stuff. I I admit that myself. And John's saying, "Hey, it's not it's not some hallmark moment that you write in those wonderful little card you get. It's more than that. It's an action and in truth it's super practical." True love is proven specifically and, and how we love our, our neighbor as ourselves. Loving right where, as we're talking about, right where we live. Now, those of us who love God would agree on that, but loving our literal neighbors, that's really a challenge. Loving where you live, is, 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 it comes right down to rubber meets the road, doesn't it? It really is. Because this is what I found with people is that people are messy. True? People are super messy. There's a lot of messiness in the lives of people. When you start loving a person, you discover, wow, they got issues, right? They got issues. And I would say for myself, I, I, in, some of you know me very well, that I, messiness drives me crazy. I am, and, and, and I am, a, I am a clutter freak. I don't like clutter. And, and so, you know, I, and this is admitting this, and some of you have heard me say this before, I have to like make sure like the, there's no like dishes all over in the kitchen before I go to bed. I, I can't stand cluttery types of things around me. Now, some of you are like, hey, can you come and live at our house for a while? That would be really nice to do that. Here's the problem with that. I'm not a clean freak. I'm a clutter freak. There's a difference. A, clutter, a clean freak has to clean everything and make sure it's all right. I'm, a clutter freak does this. They shove everything in drawers and closets. <laughs> Just cram it in, get it in, in her, you know, get the door shut. It's good. Looks, looks perfect. My drives my wife nuts. She opens the closet door, everything falls out. And so little things bug me, like this cord right here. This bugs me. It's been like this for three weeks. No one sees this cord. I, 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 I got to put that over there, right? That's kind of stuff kind of bugs me a little. It's kind of hard in an old building. There's all kinds of funkiness here. There's a problem. Some of you said there's counseling available. There's medication for those kind of things. But here's, here's, here's where I'm going is that we all have a little bit of that in us, meaning we can try to get everything nice and pretty on the outside, uh, even maybe our own home and our yard and everything like that. But what's going on in the inside? Because here's the thing. Messiness is people got their messes. The reality is we've got our own mess. And what we try to do is we, we try to stuff it in and we try to push it in drawers and, and try to, but we got messiness. And many times we're just kind of managing messiness in our lives. And, and this is what we do with it. We can blame the world for its messiness. Like, well, the reason the thing's mess, messed up is the world's messed up. You know, turn on, click on your remote and you, in the politics, you're like, it's a gong show, okay? Who knows what's going on, right? 
So many problems, struggles, and dysfunction. So when we think of home, when we think about being home, and being, we, we do this is that we, we, home, is, we say, is a refuge of, of safety and security. Now, that is really, really important. There should be, wherever you live, it should be a safe place. If you or you know someone that's not in a safe place physically or emotionally, you know, stuff, okay, clutter going on. <laughs> And there's focus. Uh, there is, the, you need to find, in all seriousness, find, find, our Care and Connection team would love to connect with you afterwards. We can't help you totally, but get the help you need if you're not in a safe place. Everybody needs to be in a safe place. But what I'm going a little bit is we, we kind of get in our comfort bubble a little bit. We, we can drive in our garage and we shut the door. We're closing our house and, and we're like, oh, a refuge from the world. Listen, I get that. There's a time we just need to relax. But what we can do is what, what Tyler challenged us last week is, is love doesn't hide though. And sometimes we can find we are hiding within because we don't want to deal with anybody else's messes, let alone we just want to contain our own. Home sweet home is wonderful, but Jesus challenges and calls us to love and loving people is messy. It's really messy. And it's easy to make excuses of not loving because of the messes. And the reality is there is a lot going on in the lives. And so what we do is instead of dealing, we sweep it under the rug and and get involved. Now, here's the thing. We don't want to jump in anybody's mess alone. We don't, because we don't have to. Here's the power of the gospel is that Jesus came and he jumped into our mess. Jesus dealt with our messiness, but messiness is a symptom of the greater issue, and that is a symptom of sin. See, you and I were born into this world of sin. The source of our messiness is sin, and there's nothing we can get around our messiness without Jesus coming and taking care of it. God knew in order to deal with our messes, he had to put skin on, and the way through our messiness is the cross. He died on the cross that when we receive Christ and receive his grace, his blood is what cleanses our messiness. And the deepest messiness is that of our own sin. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus chose to jump into your mess? Aren't you today? As we sang the song, first song, grateful. Aren't you grateful for what God has done? doesn't mean we're perfect, right? We're not perfect, but he went into our deep-seated sin of our hearts and brought transformation in our lives. Here's, here's the thing. Doesn't everybody need to experience that? Everybody. Everybody should have an opportunity. And so as Jesus dived in our messes and rescued us, here, here's what I want to tell us today is this, is that, is that Jesus invites us to join him in helping others get out of their mess. Jesus wants a partnership to help others get out of their messes. It's called the the great commission, the great co-mission with Jesus. And we know this to be true in one of the most famous stories recorded in scripture that embodies the heart of what it means answering the question, who is my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor as myself? And it's, it's, 
we're going to revisit here in a moment. But as we do, I, I think this is really important because I know there, there's some here that are fairly maybe new in the Christian faith. But I know many of you and myself included, but we've been walking with the Lord for many, many years. And we have done something that's not bad is that Jesus initially changed our heart and transformed us. Some of you have, you know, got off drugs. Some of you have battled alcoholism. Some of you went through divorce and dysfunction and pain and all the things that brought sin brought in your life. And you came to a place of hope and healing and recovery. And you're at a place now where you're going, life was in us say perfect, but you've come a long way. Here's the dangers we, we get into the story is we can get a little bit more distance in the messiness that we can't sometimes relate with those that are in the mess. And what we do is sometimes we just want to not deal with them. Uh, as we're dealing with sickness and battles and everything, we all hopefully use some hand sanitizer, and that's wonderful to do. Sometimes what we can do is we, kinda, we try to sanitize our lives so much that we are a little bit fearful. We don't want our lives to get defiled or cluttered by other people's messiness. And, and the challenge with this, and it's so f- important for all of us in our walk with the Lord, is we as followers of Christ do not want to become Pharisees. We do not want to come to a place going, I, my life's good. I've handled what I'm handling. And when we do that, what's interesting is, and Jesus called a lot of the religious leaders out on this, is that you're really good at like managing the mess on the outside, but the reality is we still got a battle within us. There's still sin issues. There's still struggles. And sometimes we can kind of shove everything in the drawer and not want to deal with it ourselves. And the reality is the work of Christ, whatever it's 25 years ago that Jesus saved your soul, guess what? The work of the salvation, the work of, of God's grace, is the staining work is still at work. He's still doing it in our lives and challenges because we, we, we collect clutter. We collect garbage in our life and it doesn't take much and we can get off a little bit. And that's really the context of the story that we looked at a couple weeks ago, I read, and that we're going to revisit today. And that's the Good Samaritan story. It's a story that's really need to understand. It's in the context of those religious people, those religious clutter freaks that are, that are there. And, and so Jesus, you need to know that context. Then there's a challenge we're going to look at specifically to, to, to live out here today. And so if you're, if you're not a Christian yet, or maybe you're thinking about it, or you're not, you don't have a lot of church background, was we read this, I think that you're going to go, this sounds familiar. It's a pretty famous story. Let's reread it again here. It says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest came along to be, uh, be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite who came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Where, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Jesus then asked this question, which of these three do you think were a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus was preaching this message. Physically today, he would say, go and do likewise. 
That story is so powerful. Every time I read it, in fact, this I read it again, I'm like, oh, there's other things I want to say about it. This is the model of neighboring. Jesus showed us how to neighbor step by step by step. He showed us, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, how this Samaritan shows us the model of, of, good, of good neighboring, neighboring the, the people literally next door and on the way of people in our life. But here's the thing. It's a messy story. It means to be that means to get involved in messes. And, 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 and I find too that sometimes when I'm, the distance I'm in a, in a situation, and, I, and I've learned this as long as the farther away a situation, uh, solutions seem much more simpler. But then you get involved in something or lives, and it becomes very complicated and very complex. And the goal is to stay focused on the, the right things and the right work God has. And it's tough. And, and, but the challenge is this, I want to challenge us all, is the body of Christ, we're not called to be innocent bystanders. We're called to be first responders. This message is for us. This is our calling as a church and right where we live. Now, here's the thing. What do you do when you're, when you're one person? How can, how can that work? Is all we're all together, but we're on our own. We're on our own sometimes. And you feel that. What can really one person do? Some of us would say, listen, I've got my own messes. I'm, 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 I'm in the ditches and messes of my life. What, well, no, Jesus, he recognizes that and he's working through our messes. But what he does too is he invites us to join him in the work of neighboring and getting, helping others get out of their mess. But here's the thing, we have excuses to do that. And I want to address the excuses today, just dead on practical ways. You could probably add a few yourself to this, but to drill down a little bit to the heart and attention, really what I sense that, maybe, that, that God's calling us to. So I want to talk about certain, so start ditching some of the excuses, some common excuses, not to get involved, not to dive into other people's messes. The first thing is this, you, we may, easily we can say this, I'm too distracted, I didn't even notice and our busyness in our world, and all that's going on, and the craziness of our life, we can just miss it, can't we? We can miss the need. And sometimes the need is so obvious, like if there's someone bleeding profusely, you probably want to help them out, right? It's obvious. Like, do you have a Band-Aid? Well, you're losing your arm, okay? Let me try to help you with that. Those things are obvious, but needs sometimes are very, very subtle, and we just miss it sometimes. Can I, with the expert, these, these religious leaders, we'll give them for the, the first shot of this, the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they really didn't see the guy. Now, they both passed on the other side. They probably saw something. But I'm just saying, give them the benefit of the doubt in their busyness of whatever duties and the things they needed to do. But here's the question that goes with that, that we miss the opportunity. What is consuming you right now that you miss the need along the way? What are you so consumed with that's bigger, maybe better, you think, than the need that's right before you that, that, that God's calling you to. That's something to consider. But here's the thing. You can fill this in. The reality is this. We give attention to what is important to us. It comes down to that. We give attention to what is important to us. Jesus challenges us to reprioritize our lives. Some of you know Matthew 6, 33, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything will add unto you. I really like this, this version of, of, it's a paraphrase of that verse. Can we put that up? It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. 
you'll find all your every human, everyday human concerns be met. God will take care of the, our needs, saying, if we're seeking his king. And his kingdom is reaching out to those that are there. Another excuse that we can, we can miss, make is this. I don't have time. I'm way too busy. I'm way too busy. We talked about this before. People ask, hey, how are you doing? Busy? Well, I didn't ask what you're doing. I asked how you're doing. Busyness is a badge that people going on. I'm so busy. That because I'm important. And we, we fall on the victim of that. And busyness can be part. Maybe these religious guys were busy. The, the Levite and the, and the priest, they're busy. They had, they had to go one, they traveled, they go from one synagogue to the next. I mean, you know, they're kind of like a busy pastor. They got sermons to prepare and, and, and people to pray for and important people to meet. You know, just don't have time for that. That could be really what's going on. And the reality for all of us is as, as much as we think technology helps, it doesn't, does it? We have more deadlines, more schedules to juggle. We have more appointments, more shuffling of kids around, and we lack margin and meaning, meaningfulness in our life. And the reality is whoever's screaming our name the loudest does get our attention sometimes. But here's the challenge with that is we give time to what we value. We give time. We'll give time to what we value. It's not a busy issue. It's a priority issue. And see, I love about Jesus is this. Jesus was never in a hurry. You never read in the gospels that he had to, you know, he had to rush over to Bethany. He had to scurry over to Jerusalem, right? He, he, he was purposeful. And so what consider we would consider interruption was this opportunity that he had. Now, Jesus still was selective. He didn't heal everybody on the earth when he was there, but he had a plan and agenda, but he, he took time. In fact, his timing is, is perfect. Jesus Jesus knew that. Even in fact, he, he saw us in the ditch at one time, reached out in our mess in the nick of time. I love how Romans says this. It says that you see that it's just, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I am so grateful, hopefully you are, that Jesus jumped in our mess. We were worth it at the right moment, at the right time. And here is so important for us as we learn from Jesus is modeling, uh, he modeled to us that there's moments and there's times that we get and to be ready for those moments. There's only that 30 second moment in the driveway with your neighbor and you can have an interaction in a moment you can have. What if that 30 seconds was, what if you took five minutes? What if you asked some more questions about with your neighbor, how they're doing? Now they might be going, hey, I got to go in. I'm, you're way too friendly. I don't know. But you're just building relationship. What if you just took a little bit more time? Is that doable? Well, it's purposeful, right? Right? It's part of showing care and concern. Another, another excuse we can make is this. I'm, I'm afraid of getting involved. I'm afraid of getting involved. Scripture doesn't say, but scholars point out that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was treacherous. And what it was is because of, it was, it was dangerous. There was, um, you go up to, I remember driving up, up to Jerusalem. So you go down to Jericho. And, and what it was is there's switchbacks. And so there'd be people like robbers, bad guys would hide kind of in little corners and they would jump people. And so the, these religious guys, maybe had a legitimate excuse. They were, didn't want to get involved because they felt like it was dangerous. They just wanted to get along in the road. And so they didn't know, maybe the guy that was fake, maybe he's fake bleeding. Maybe he, maybe he, was, he was wounded and then they, they would get jumped. Who, who knows what was going through their minds? The other thing is both these guys, these religious guys were following the Levitical code, the religious code. And it was this, is you're not supposed to touch dead bodies. 
They didn't know maybe the guy was actually dead. Maybe they went around him because they're not supposed to defile themselves. Listen, I have a policy as well. I don't like to touch dead bodies as well. I mean, that's just part of, that's part of me. But here's the thing. You don't know if someone's dead from a distance. Hope only works hands-on. Hope only works when we're getting involved in lives. Well, what if, what, if, what if I don't know what to do? Well, this is what we're going to talk about here in a moment. It's not, you don't do it alone. It's a partnership with Jesus. Listen, listen, getting involved in people's lives, it's risky. It's risky. Several years ago, I went into, I got a call from a wife to visit her husband in the hospital. And so I went in to, to pray for him and he, it was quiet, it was dark and, and he was asleep. And so, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, I want to let the wife know I prayed for him, right? Because, and I, I didn't want to wake the guy, you know? So I just, I just put my hand on it, prayed for him, and then went out the door. And as I was going out the door, the nurse comes in and her eyes are like this big. What did you just do? Uh, well, I just put my hand on it, I prayed for him. He has mercy. He has, he has, a, he has an infected disease. And, and did you not see the sign that you're supposed to gown up? No, I didn't, I didn't, I avoided all the signs. And so I, I, you need to go in this room. And then I had to kind of do all this. There was a, there was a thing on the wall and I had to wash and, you know, do all these things as I left. I'm like, okay, that's not good. Uh, here's the thing. We, we have to gown up spiritually at times. We have to be prepared emotionally to be ready in the risk. And there's a risk sometimes involved. And, and sometimes here's something, a challenge, and almost sounds contradiction when we talk about is this is sometimes our help is not help, good help. Sometimes our help is not very helpful. In fact, we can hurt, hurt others and hurt ourselves in the process. And then if we hurt ourselves so bad, we can't help anybody in the future. It's, it, what it's called is it's called boundaries. And, and specifically with our, our neighbors here, and again, I'm not making these excuses, but sometimes excuses also, are, are, there really can be responses to people that are in need. Sometimes we have to say, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. It doesn't mean you won't, it's just simply you can't. Someone is in need of money and you don't get paid a Friday, you're not going to be able to give them money. A while back, someone called me up and they needed, they were, they're needing to be, they're evicted and they need to get out that, that day. Can you come and help me move? And I actually had a relationship with them and like, I can't because my daughter has a dance recital. Well, can you change? No, I can't change the dance. I can't be there. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes you just can't. Other thing is my help doesn't help. If you help keep, if you help, if your help keeps a person from not helping themselves, then it becomes a problem. You don't want to give money to a drug addict. They're just going to, oh, I need rent rent money. No, you want money for drugs. It comes down to that sometimes. They probably need rent money, but when they get that money, they're going to use drugs and not pay the rent, right? A rule of thumb is this, only help those who can't help themselves. Listen, crisis and emerging takes place and we all need to jump in and help. But if it continues and pervasive, we're not helping them. We are what? We're enabling them. There's just a moment. Sometimes it's not. Another response can be is this, when it's wrong, when it's wrong. A while back, a person called me up and, and, and said, hey, can, I'm in, I, 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 need some, I need a bail bond. Can you co-sign a bail bond? I get all kinds of calls. And I just, I, I went down and visited and prayed with them and that. And he goes, and I said, you know, listen, if it was just me, I would consider doing that. But that would put my family in jeopardy. Put my wife, I can't say, I, if you jump, uh, that I'm going to pay $10,000. I cannot, I cannot do this. And then he says this to me, you don't need to tell your wife. <laughs> Conversation over, okay? 
That's called integrity. Certain times, it's just not right to help. Okay, it's not right. There's integrity involved. Someone asks you to do a favor that causes you to lie or withhold information, it is wrong. Don't get involved with that. Another thing is this, if it's dangerous, ladies, do not pick, pick up hate shirkers on the side of the road, okay? Not wise. Well, it's my ministry. Okay, well, we want you around, okay? Not good, okay? There's, there's wisdom that's there. Listen, for me, I don't counsel women of the opposite sex. I don't counsel women. Okay, women are opposite sex. I don't counsel women. I don't. Now, privately, I'm not going to meet with them by myself, some excluded private place. I'm paranoid of that. A lot of junk going around. So I meet, if I'm going to meet with somebody and I meet with them, and it's just a conversation maybe with a female staff member, I'm going to meet in a coffee shop publicly, and we're all, we're all there together. And I don't do heavy counseling with, with women. I refer that. In fact, we have some people trained, and it's called Grace Corps. If, ladies, if you need some, need some counseling, or men too, it's a wonderful, some folks are trained in that. They do a better job with that. They got skills to do that. So, oh, so important. So here's the thing. The bottom line is this. We only can do what God gives us to do, and that's all we can do. That's it. it. You're not saying you're off the hook, but it comes down to that. The real amazing story is that you lay out the template of the Good Samaritan. I love how it is. is it says that he, he reached in and tried to meet the immediate need, so help the guy, and then helped him on future, help bandage his wounds, get him to some real help that he needed, cared for him enough, and then did pass the buck, what did he do? He provided for his care and then assured that care was happening. And then he did what was so brilliant. He says, I'll come by in a few days and follow up with them. The follow-up is so important. Sometimes we can just see you later. How did that person do? Are they doing okay? Walking with them. Our care and connection team is involved if you, after the service. That's the work that they do that we're part. But we're all called to do that. We're all called to take the step. Remember, you're not the savior of the world. You can't meet every person's need at every single moment. You're a part of a team. And your job is to help people take that next step along the way. Jesus is the one. He's the one that's the great commission. Here's the last, here's the last uh, uh, excuse we can have. I don't have anything to offer right? What do, what do I have? You know, the average person has five to 700 skills. You, have five, you, you are talented, five to 700. And I, listen, I, I, in the five to 700, it might be chewing gum and walking at the same time. That's a talent. Keep that one, okay? Record that. Our, but it's not just talent, skills, ability, resources. We have something that we can give others. But you're going, I don't have a whole lot. Jesus can use a whole lot when we, when we give it to him. Think of how he commended the widow who just gave pennies in the offering in the temple where the rich cat just gave. He had, he had lots of money, but it was this excess that he has. She gave out of great sacrifice. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And if we all help, we're all called to help people get, get out of the ditches that are dying. We're going to move forward in reaching out as we reach out together. Because know this, we give our talents to what is, ends up being profitable to us. It comes down to this. See, I know greedy rich people and you know greedy poor people. Uh, scripture, uh, it, Jesus gives us this verse that reminds us again, it's almost a spiritual baggage check. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart will be also. There's an invisible chain connected to our purse and wallet. And it's not just money. Skills, education, experiences, you're needed here. I want you to know, at Christ the King here at North Bay, you are needed. We are in real need of people to do work. 
around this building. We're trying to keep this building going, and we need some help. We need some help in the office. We're, we're, we're needing some help with kids. We're, but it's not so we just meet the need. It's so that we can push, be effective in really reaching out to our neighbors as a lighthouse into this community. But here's, it comes down to this. Are you just, all you have to do is this. Are you, ask yourself, are you giving God's best? What he's given you, are you using it to the best of your ability? And so what's beautiful is this. When we give our best, you know what? God gives his best back to us. And there's a blessing that comes. But what one can do, well, one can do a lot. One can do a lot. Somebody like, where do I start? If I put, if I say, I put all those excuses aside, where do I start? Well, it starts, it's all, it's like we start everything. What is it? It's one step. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? One step. One step of, of expressing compassion. What grip the guy was, he had pity on him. It was true compassion that came forth. One act, one invite, one sack of groceries, one gift to be bought, one conversation over coffee, one minute of your time to listen, one prayer in that moment, one more setting at the dinner table. And listen, we can all make excuses of the world, but the reality is it can be tangible. Jesus reminds us of what love is. Love is not just sentiments. Love is action and in truth. It's looking to say, who's in the ditch? Yeah, it's gonna get, we're going to get dirty in the ditch. We're going to get messy. It's going to be messy. But guess what? Jesus calls to lay down our lives for those around us, to partner with him in God's kingdom, because that's what he did for us. Our team's going to come now as we close, and we're going to take some time. And wow, we're going to take some time around the communion table. We're going to take a moment as our ushers, they're getting prepared in the back. In a moment, they're going to serve you uh, with communion. Communion is the response of Jesus. It's symbolic of the response of Jesus had to our messiness and our sin. Jesus modeled to us sacrifice. He modeled to us what it means to lay down our lives, or what it really means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Greater is greater uh, love than no man than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus showed us that way and symbolically through communion. In a moment here, you're going to receive.